And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. We welcome you to this morning's broadcast. We are so glad you could join us. This morning we return to the first few voices of Romans chapter 1 and our consideration of the fact that the gospel is of first importance continues. And now with his message for today, Pastor Robert Elliott. I want to be a bond servant the highest member in the King Jesus cabinet who voluntarily serves King Jesus well. That's what I want. You know, if you look at it this way, there are two concepts. There is no, then there is the concept of Lord. And the person who tries, the Christian, who tries to put Lord together with no doesn't understand Lordship. Because the Lordship of Christ, to say Lord, means that you can't say no to him. They don't go together. If he is Lord to you, then you do not allow yourself the freedom to say no to him. If you say no to him, he is not your Lord. You can sing about him being your Lord. You can talk about him being your Lord. But if you have anything to Say to him that is no when you know what he wants you to do. If you say no, then he is not your Lord. It's that simple. No is incompatible with Lord. They don't go together. We want to be a church of bond servant believers who look at no to Jesus Christ and say, that's not an option to me. Paul said, Paul, a bond servant of Christ Jesus. First disclosure, it's Paul that humanly wrote. It's second disclosure, he designated himself as a bondservant. The third disclosure, he says that he has been called. He was called to be an apostle. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle. An apostle literally means a sent one. A sent one. More specifically, Scripture defines the term in other passages, as an eyewitness of the risen Christ who was sent by God to demonstrate resurrection power in the first century when the Bible was not yet fully revealed. All that were technically apostles have died. They lived in the first century. Technically speaking, there is no apostle alive today. There is no apostle alive today. And I know where that came from because I watch television at night too. You say, Pastor, show me that it's, an, it's a biblical definition of an apostle. It's an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ who is an apostle technically. Acts 1, 21 to 22. You'll recall that Judas Iscariot, a phony professor of Christ, hung himself after betraying Christ for 30 pieces of silver, the standard price in Jewish law for a common slave. After he suicided, it was necessary, verse 21 says, it is necessary, therefore, that of the men who have accompanied us all the time, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, that one of these should become a witness with us of his resurrection. 
It's saying that it was a witness of the resurrected Christ who knew Christ's ministry from his public inception at the baptism in the River Jordan by John the Baptist until the ascension, which included the visible bodily resurrection of Christ. That was what qualified someone to be an apostle. Was Paul an apostle? Well, he claimed to be an apostle in Romans 1.1. Well, yes, he was. He qualified. In Acts chapter 9, the account of his conversion, you may recall he was going to cheer on the persecution of Christians as a very proud and self-reliant and self-righteous Pharisee. And the risen Christ intercepted him on the road to Damascus. And in Acts 9.1, it says, Now Saul, that was his name before he was converted, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And it came about that as he journeyed, he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. So this Saul who became Paul, qualified biblically as an apostle because he was an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus. And it messed up his sight. The glory of Jesus Christ was so powerful and real that it messed up Saul Paul's eyes. I personally think that was his thorn in the flesh, although I cannot be dogmatic. And then if you were to take time to look at 1 Corinthians 15.8 and Acts 22.14, you will see that the Bible, the New Testament, defines an apostle as an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. We don't have apostles today. Disclosure 1, Paul, human author. Disclosure 2, Paul designates himself as being a bondservant. Disclosure 3, Paul describes himself as being an apostle. Disclosure 4, still in verse 1. Paul explained that he was set apart by God for the gospel. Verse 1, Paul said, I know that I am set apart by God for the gospel. Verse 1, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul knew his job. Paul knew his role. He was saved and he met the risen Christ so that he would become a gospel preacher to the Gentiles. Paul knew that was his calling. Paul knew that was his sanctification. Paul knew that was his job. Paul knew that that was his role. And if you were to look at the New Testament, and if you were to analyze how the great apostle Paul used his time, his energy, his opportunities, his money, his prayer times, his networks with various people, if you analyzed how Paul used his travel, his mentoring of various people, his education, if you studied the New Testament as to how Paul used his sufferings and his illnesses, you would see that getting the gospel out was Paul's top priority. The Word of Life Bible Institute, Screw Lake, New York, I attended there after the University of Toronto. I was only there three months. I took ill. I had to leave early. But in those three months, I remember a very significant devotional time in the evening with Jack Wurtson, founder of Word of Life. He asked us as a student body what we thought were the most important spiritual disciplines. He asked, 
What's the most important spiritual discipline? Prayer came up. Fellowship with other Christians came up. Bible study came up. Giving financially to the Lord's work came up. They're all good disciplines. But he said, you know what? You haven't hit the most important spiritual discipline, in my opinion, yet. Wurtzen said, in my opinion, the most important spiritual discipline is sharing your faith. Evangelizing. He says, you know why? Because when I set my heart and my time and my money and my mouth to evangelizing, I pray more. I study the Bible more. I want to be with God's people more. I want to give to ministries that are evangelistic more. Paul knew. He was set apart from all that he used to be to be Christ's apostle, to be one sent to bring the gospel to Gentiles. Do we know that? That we've been left on earth to do what the angels can't do? Tell others of Christ. Invite them to trust Jesus to be their Savior. Laser beam focus. Paul was chosen by God, set apart by God, to get the gospel to the Gentiles. We have a dog, Yankee, a standard poodle. He's a lovely dog, lovely disposition. Smarter than me, but that's not difficult. When our dog, Yankee, in Canada was in a litter of pups, my wife and kids went up to meet the litter. And over the parts of two days, my wife and kids watched these puppies and their personalities. They all had a different color ribbon to identify them. And they observed which pup of the litter was most interested in our kids. They interacted most naturally with our kids. And sure enough, Yankee, who had a green ribbon, was unnamed at that point. He was selected. He was chosen by our family. And some days had to pass for him to get old enough to travel from Canada to the United States by car. And while we waited, the breeder would email us, and one of her emails said this, you know, Yankee is demonstrating that he feels very chosen. Paul knew that he was chosen. He demonstrated in his lips and his life that he knew that he was chosen to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas, and today is another edition of You Talk. And today we want to continue to talk about a boss. We want to talk about idols that are in our lives. And, and we talked about how, last week, we talked about how God tells us, in even the first commandment, that we should have no other gods before Him. You see, God is a jealous God. He doesn't want us to compete for our love. He wants us to be sold out for Him. He wants us to, to be all about Him. You know, when I think that think about that, I think about how some of us are sold out for our teams, our sports teams. And we, we are fans. We are all about them. We will wear their clothes. We're all about, you know, portraying that we, we represent this team by hats and jerseys and everything else. But I want to ask you, what about when it comes to Christ? Are you sold out for him? Are you, are you saying that, you know what, I am with God no matter what? No matter we win, lose, I'm with him. You know, this is what the disciples are facing. The disciples are facing, they're asking, James and John are asking for the seat next to Christ. And if you remember last time, we stopped at um, verse 38 of Mark chapter 10 and said this. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drain the cup I drink to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And verse 39, here are the disciples. We are able, they told him. She just said to them, you will drink the cup I drink, and you'll be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not mine to give. Instead, it's for those for whom it has been prepared. 
Here it is, Jesus talking about how he doesn't have that authority where it's for Christ. And Christ and God is going to show, you know, who is to sit there right and the left. And as we consider this, you know, these disciples are very saying, hey, we're able. We're willing to do what we have to do. You know, we we want to do. We want to follow you. We want, to, we want this part. We want this authority. You know, as I think about this, I could think of many times when I was in, in, in high school and, you know, you're given authority over, you know, sports teams and different things like that. And, you know, you're, you're called a captain. And it's like, are you ready for that authority? Because when you are that authority, people are going to be looking at you. They're going to be watching you. You know, you if you play softball or, or baseball, you come up to bat and, and you strike out. And, and people are like, why, you know, here it is. He's supposed to be the captain. Or you're on the basketball team and, you know, you miss a game with a shot. Well, you know, why why did he take the shot and not I take the shot? And, you know, the list goes on. But Jesus is making it, this is a bigger decision than anything. Because I think that when we consider what they're asking, you know, they're asking for a position that they're looking just out for themselves. And we see that as verse 41 says, when the 10 disciples heard this, they began to be indignant with James and John. And Jesus called them over and said to them, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high position act as tyrants over them. You see, he's making it very clear that, hey, these people who are positioned, they want to just tell people what to do. Hey, do this, do that. You know, like we talked about, people try to boss you around. They just tell you, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. You see, Jesus wasn't like that. As we're going to see, Jesus didn't just tell you what to do. He showed you what to do. He didn't just say, you know, I want you to go and, you know, cash your net over here and then, you know, he showed them. He showed them exactly how he wanted them to live. He showed them exactly the example of his life. And I think too many times in our lives where, where we have people who are uh, over us or even where we have people who are under us, we like to tell them what to do rather than show them what to do. You see, verse 43 says, But it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. You see, before one leads, he must serve. Before one takes control and thinks that he's in charge and he can do whatever he wants to do, he must show people what to do. You know, when I consider, you know, when we get st- when we get things in our lives and we get, you know, um, things that we have to put together, as men, a lot of times, we the last resort is the instructions. We will try to do whatever we can to do it, put it together, and then we realize, you know what, it's not working. So we have to go to the instructions. And I think that as we consider this and we consider what's happening here, we need to recognize that we need to serve people first before we can lead. We need to recognize that service becomes before leadership. Before we can tell someone what to do, we have to show them what to do. And I think this is why in today's culture we see so many problems because we like to have we like to have authority and we like to just tell people what to do and not show them. As in verse 44, Mark chapter 10 says, And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, as we consider, you know, the boss and we consider the authority and we consider who greater than Jesus to walk the face of the earth. He basically tells that we must become a servant to all. We must be willing to serve people. Show them the love of Christ. Show them how to live. You see, we need to ask ourselves as we consider the God of ourselves, the pride in our lives, that we need not to be this way. We need not to lord over them and just be telling them what to do. But we need to act selflessly. We need to go last, put some people first, serve people. We must speak generously. You must be nice to people and show them, hey, this is how I want you to speak. You see, we live in a culture in the Bahamas where we like to talk bad to people. But we need to speak nicely. And we need to respond humbly. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Recognize that, you know, when I'm wrong, I need to apologize. I need to tell people, hey, I'm sorry for this. You see, Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect life. But yet, he came for a purpose. He came to die for you and for me. And I challenge you this morning if you're listening to this broadcast. I want you to ask yourself, what is the God in you? Is it the Holy Spirit living in you? Or have you allowed different idols to come in your life? And you allowed them to control you? Because the reality is that only one thing is going to last. And that is your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is Pastor Nicholas, and this has been another edition of You Talk. And now, today's personal God story. I have been asked by our senior pastor to share my God's story, or how I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I'd like to emphasize that, as my personal Savior. First of all, my name is Roland Bryant, one of the pastors here at Calvary Bible Church. I came from an island by the name of Corn, yes, Corn, Corn Island in the South Atlantic, just 40 miles off the east coast of Nicaragua in Central America. Many years ago, that island was a British protectorate like you were here, but now is a part of the country of Nicaragua. My salvation began in the Sunday school class. Yes, Sunday school. Let us not underestimate the ministry of the Sunday school. It's playing an active part here at our church and in the world still. I was blessed to be born in a Christian home where both of my parents were active in their church. Also, my five siblings. As a matter of fact, all of them profess Christ and were baptized, and I was the only one who was not a Christian. You see, Satan had me to believe that because my parents were Christians, 
and all of my brothers and sisters that that was enough for me. But you know, we always say, Satan, the devil is a liar. And I prove him to be true. You see, God had a different plan for me. Satan had me to believe that I could get to heaven on a piggyback ride on my parents or my siblings. But that Sunday morning in Sunday school, God had other plans for me. And I'm so certain that our ways are not God's ways. Neither are our thoughts his thoughts. He had other plans for me. I remember the lesson for that day was to study the story of the lost coin found in Luke chapter 15. But our Sunday school teacher announced that particular day that he was going to change that subject and that he was going to tell us how we can be saved. I must have been about 11 or 12 years of age. I was in the junior Sunday school class. There were about nine of us that made up that class. And after his presentation to the class about how we could be saved, his next question was, which of you are willing to give your hearts to the Lord? And together with five other boys, my hands went up. The other said they would like to talk it over with their parents, which was fine. Before making a decision, they would like to discuss this matter with their parents. The Sunday school teacher, as a wise man, left it as it was. He didn't try to be pushy, you know, to push those other boys to make a decision right there because he respected them. But the parental response must have been positive because all of us ended up in the new membership class and were eventually baptized into the fellowship of the church. And here I am today, many years later, and all this time, God has been faithful to me. Did I fail him? Many times, yes, I did. But God is always willing to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I never forget First John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, you know, we're here, all of us here live by that verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the God says. God is ready today 
right today in this early morning service to receive anyone, boy, girl, man or woman, who is ready to confess Christ as personal Savior. I never forget John 1 and 12, right in your Bible there. It says, and I quote, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God. I'm quoting from the Holman's translation. Other translation says, But to as many as receive him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. And that verse is as true today as it was when it was spoken. So if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your parents may be good Christians, but don't expect a piggyback ride. Don't think you're going to get a body price on them. You have to decide for yourself. And this could be the time, that great decision, when you decide to follow Jesus, as I did in that Sunday school class when I was about 12 years of age. And I mentioned a while ago, did I fail him? Of course. But God is able and he is faithful and just to forgive anyone who will confess to him. Lord bless you. And this is God's testimony. The Puritan prayer, God, the source of all good. O Lord God, who inhabitest eternity, the heavens declare thy glory, the earth thy riches, the universe is thy temple, thy presence fills immensity, yet thou hast of thy pleasure created life and communicated happiness. Thou hast made me what I am and given me what I have. In thee I live and move and have my being. Thy providence has set the bounds of my habitation and wisely administers all my affairs. I thank thee for thy riches to me in Jesus, for the unclouded revelation of him in thy word, where I behold his person, character, grace, glory, humiliation, sufferings, death, and resurrection. Give me to feel a need of his continual saviorhood and cry with Job, I am vile, and with Peter, I perish. With the publican, be merciful to me, a sinner. Subdue in me the love of sin. Let me know the need of renovation as well as of forgiveness in order to serve and enjoy thee forever. I come to thee in the all-prevailing name of Jesus with nothing of my own to plead, no works, no worthiness, no promises. I am often straying, often knowingly opposing thy authority, often abusing thy goodness. Much of my guilt arises from my religious privileges, my low estimation of them, my failure to use them to my advantage. But I am not careless of thy favor or regardless of thy glory. Impress me deeply with a sense of thine omnipotence, omnipresence, that thou art above my path, my ways, and my lying down, my end. Amen. 
You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.